add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. Folks, I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. So many of our listeners to Real Health are parents. And while navigating through parenthood can be difficult at any stage, there's no doubt that once your baby hits their teenage years, things are definitely turned up a notch. Does it have to be complicated and a challenge? What are some of the best ways to communicate with your teenager when all they want to do is be with their friends or on their phone? My guest this week has literally written the book on teens. Stella O'Malley is a psychotherapist and best-selling author. And her new book, What Your Teen Is Trying To Tell You, takes parents inside the teenage brain and gives practical advice for every hurdle a parent could face. Stella, no pressure. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of pressure. <laughs> let's Okay, let's get stuck into it. Communicating is a really important factor, isn't it? And and being able to communicate properly with a, with a child of any age, but particularly a teenager, yeah, is crucial. It, it's very interesting because in the first, almost maybe let's say the first 10 years of life, you've got a kid. And you've all you've kind of got your mommy and daddy persona and you're kind of cheerful and you might have a fight with your partner. And then you say, everybody in the car and you have your voice. <laughs> and it's all it's all quite it's lovely having a childhood. It's it's, you know, magical. There's fairy tales. There's Santa and there's there's an awful lot of very pleasant things. And we we seldom this idea that life is good and the good guy always wins. And if you wish hard enough, you'll get it. And if you try hard enough, you'll succeed. And then adolescence comes in kind of roughly between 10 and 20. And they hit reality with against a brick wall and they learn life is actually very hard. It's often unfair. Sometimes the bullies are very popular and very good looking. So, some really bitter, hard truths are taught and learned between 10 and 20. And it's devastating for an awful lot of teenagers. They're kind of horrified, especially because childhood these days is so magical Mm -hmm. with Harry Potter and Legoland and and Disney. We've really lifted the bar on the magical childhood. Is it too magical? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do think I'm meeting an awful lot of teenagers who come in and it's kind of often the kind of January, February of first year and they look... Shook. <laughs> they look shook and they look very distressed, okay. genuinely disappointed. And effectively, they've been sold an idea that is not happening. Okay. I know. It's wow. a bit of a okay. shock. It's a bit of a shock to learn. Previous, let's say my generation, we didn't have such great childhoods. I'm not selling a bad childhood, but I am aware that there's a huge gap mm. between this really pretty, glorious childhood, which is gorgeous. And then a kind of, okay, get with it. Actually, life isn't fair. Very unfair, actually. There's an awful lot of unfairness there. And they learn it. Like uh, generally around his first year, they're learning it. And then um, 
at the same time, they've got hormones. At the same time, they're kind of moving away from their parents. It's like they listen to their parents. You can tell them what you think about COVID and you can tell them what you think about the politics and what you think about Leah Varadkar and the school and the teacher. And they'll just take it all in. Yeah, yeah, yes, no. And then around about, you know, adolescence, it's like you're the radio and they turn you off. And <laughs> yeah, enough of you. And they listen to everybody else except you. And that's developmentally appropriate. But you've only got up until around about 12 to get your views in. And from then on, it's how you live. That's all they're interested in. Okay. So if you're living a happy and fulfilling life, it really goes a long way in adolescence. If you are saying the right thing, but you're not doing it. Which is the classic one, isn't it? Well, for we're like all mobile, a little bit prone. Yeah, for like mobile phone usage and screen time and eat your finish your dinner or whatever. Healthy you know, food, yeah, yeah, yeah. online, all that. They are much more, they're zoning in on it. It's your life. And I, I've really kind of, because I, I preach a good war and I really hit it with my own teenagers. The kind of, they see your life and they see mm. the reality of it. And they're they're busy seeking reality. They're not interested in the parent. You know, that cheery voice, get in the car now and all this. And we haven't had a fight. We were just having words. <laughs> all that has gone with the wind. They're not interested. They want the authentic thing. And a lot of parents are stuck in the childlike mode of slightly fake, very cheery, very positive. So you might have a teenager comes into me and she has really genuinely horrible time in school. Something awful has happened. And uh, the parent is like, go in there with a big smile, put your shoulders back. And it's it's not quite communicating in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. You're falling into a kind of a slightly childlike version and that's not what they're looking for. So when they come into me and they are a bit shook by the re- cold reality of life, they are helped by kind of, yeah, this is hard. This is actually really hard. Okay, so yeah. being straight up is a, being is better authentic. and being truthful, is yeah. authentic is better. Yeah, they're looking for it because they're kind of in shock <laughs> about what they're suddenly dealt in secondary. Secondary is a very big jump. And it's it's really very pleasant. Even like an awful lot of help with resources and stuff like that you get in primary school. You really, it's gone. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really, it's really lovely. <laughs> And then secondary, bang, they get in at second and September and they have this idea from the media, which is, you know, there's going to be sleepovers and great friendships. There might even be a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you'd be kind of cool hanging around the lockers. And they're like, it's nothing like this. It's anxiety. It's it's kind of an awful lot of the trauma that we might have suffered. Not everybody has suffered, but distress that you could suffer in childhood. We parents think they've got away with it. They're fine. Look, they're cool. And then it can manifest in adolescence. It might not manifest at all in, in the childhood years and it can come out in adolescence. And we parents often want to undermine it a little bit or pretend that it's not as bad as it is because we're so panicked at the mm-hmm. idea that our kids are distressed. We're afraid of our kids distress. And so there's a lot to contend with. I tell you. Okay. So yeah. back to communication then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> That's be, the question. No, no, you're fine. I, I love when people who love what they do go off on these yeah. fabulous tangents. And yeah. like five minutes later, we're still chatting about <laughs> on this lovely tangent road. It's great. It's really, it's, as an interview, it's fantastic. Be authentic. So before yeah. you be, try to communicate, be yeah. authentic. Yeah. That's important. Before you try any of the other stuff, just yeah. having a, an authentic household. Yes. Where you're not kind of bubble wrapping them quite so much and you're telling them the reality of life. But how far do you go with that? Yeah, that's a really good question because you can't be kind of lying at the end of the bed bawling about your partner. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, that's not appropriate. So there does have to be a kind of you are the adult, you are the project manager of the household who's managing the the kind of the, the healthiness in all manners of the household. So when you're communicating, you do have to realize that as an adult, you have a position as a, as you know, you have the authority. So I do kind of get into a lot about communicating with your teenager insofar as you you are authentic. You don't put on the pretend veneer of everything's OK, but sometimes you're like, I'm not going into that. That's not for you. However, I am going to talk about, for example, your healthy communication. So many, so many teenagers are using their phones and adults as a shield to authentic communication and intimate communication. Because they tell me so many of them would say, you know, my friends are better online. I'm wittier online. I'm funnier online. I'm better online. They'd even say the sex is better online. And it's like I half took it up until COVID. I have kind of said Maybe there's this new way of being where they all were telling me consistently socializing is all done online and it's better. And I was like, sounds mad, but maybe this is the new way. Who might tell? Then obviously COVID came and I had my own taste. And I was like, no, 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 no. It is not as good online. Yeah, it's nice to have a coffee. If you and I had a coffee online, it would be mm -hmm. pleasant, but it wouldn't be as warm and it wouldn't be as deep and you wouldn't connect as well. So a lot of them have grown up online and have learned this idea that their friendships are as good as life. How do you tell your teenager that though? So say you're having yeah. that chat with a teenager and, yeah. and you're being the adult in the room and say, well, actually, no, 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 no. It's not as good well, as a coffee person. You how, do you, how do you actually yeah, have very that good, chat? Very good. Yeah, I hear you. What you do is you give them a taste of real life, as in I'm very much uh, an advocate for freeing them up to go out more to go out with their friends more, to go shopping, to get the bus into town on their own, to kind of, there's an awful lot of kind of studies that have shown the more rules you have on your teenager in physical life, the more likely they'll take risks online. You've kind of got to let them out. Let them go. Yeah, you've got to let them go to the disco, let them go shopping, let them go to the cinema, let them out, let them kind of meet their friends, because if you consistently are saying stay in and study, which a lot of us are doing, it, they end up online all the time. So if you're going to kind of do it, you have to give them the no, you, you out meet them outside. You can go and meet them. You can't, you know, you can you can't be online all evening. You can go outside. Oh, yeah, okay. And a lot of teenagers yeah. don't have much of a want. They're anxious. They feel they're happier in their bedroom. They'd rather just hang out online. They do a lot of messaging. An awful lot of kind of intimacies are shared online. So especially late at night, so they could say their darkest, you know, feelings and experiences to their friends. And then the next day they meet in school and it's all sunny again. And then the next night it's kind of dark and a lot of intimacies are shared. And that's what I think parents have to cut in on and say, that's not healthy. It's not a healthy way to communicate. I'm taking your phones off you at night. I'm very big into that. Okay. And um, what's, what, what's the time cut off in your house? Well, in my own house, yeah, there's war over. <laughs> <laughs> my my boy is 13 and at around about half nine, I take it off him and he goes to bed. My girl is 15 and pushing this point and I'm saying half 10 and she's kicking against it. Big style, big style. She and could, the mom and dad put, take their phones away? Yeah, yeah. 
an issue. <laughs> and what I do have, uh, we put our phones outside our rooms okay. when we go yeah, to bed. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The idea is she's going to bed and she puts her phone Great. outside the room. Yeah. But you're right. She is so onto this. She's like, I'm not sure you're putting your phone outside the room. And she's right, because sometimes it doesn't go outside the room. And I'm like, well, it's on the other side of the room. And she's like, that doesn't cut it. On the other side of the room doesn't cut it. It has to be outside the room. And, you know, she's shown it up to me because teenagers, they, mm-hmm. they're they sharp. Mm. And they, they they are dead. She's dead right. And I know every one of us, we're so addicted to the yeah. phone. It is the big, what do they say? Every time you put down your phone, there's a multi-billion industry trying to get you to pick it back up. And there really is. It is our, it is our devil for yeah. this generation. But, it, you know, it comes back to what you were saying earlier on is that be authentic. So, yeah. you know, if you're trying to say, look, put your phone up, you know, put your phone in yeah. your room. Well, yeah. the family do it and we all do it. And yeah. that kind of, that you're, you're showing the way, which is important. Yeah. And what I try to do as well is um, in the kitchen, no phones in the kitchen. Yeah. Just to kind of have one room that no, yeah. if or tech-free meal time or, yeah. or something oh, God, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah. But yeah, see, there's a lot. Very few people do that. Like we we talk to companies all the time, and you go in and say, oh, you know, we're gonna have tech-free breakfast. Who has tech-free breakfast? Like no one. Okay. Who has tech-free lunch? No one. Yeah. And like might be one percent of families do it. They're like an extension of our arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they 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 make us very nervy. We've got this new movement where we move towards our phone. Oh yeah. And every time somebody asks you a question, you don't know the answer. You kind of do this movement towards your phone. Of course, yeah. You it's ask like a twitch. Google. Yeah, you, yeah. You it's like do. a twitch we have. Behaviors then. Okay. So if there's behaviors that you want your teenager to change, or you're trying to change. And the teenagers digging in, what do you do? Say, I don't know, they may not go on, you know, they may not come offline or, or yeah. they may not go out to a sport or, I don't know, that's, that's, gen- or they're, they're smoking or something like that. Yeah, you know, sp- smoking is one. We'll, we'll go to that in a second. Okay. The other ones are, are very common. The kind of a withdrawing into the bedroom is a big one. And it's like there's an almost like, you know, the electric fences where the dog won't pa- go past <laughs> like that for the ch- teenager's bedroom. The, t- the parent can't seem to get into mm-hmm. the room because it's just so hostile, the wall. And I kind of recommend the parents do break through that wall, even though it's it's only kind of psychological. But I do think go in with a nice drink, maybe a hot chocolate or something, something nice or say um, I, I, I heard something nicer. Even I'm going to send you this meme and you're walking into the bedroom as you're sending it. The point is you're trying to scale through mm-hmm. this idea that their bedroom is a fortress that they can kind of retire into because an awful lot of distress is happening in pe- children's bedrooms and teenagers' bedrooms. And, and that's a big worry. I was going to come to yeah. that, but we'll go there now. So that, that's a huge worry for parents in terms of uh, the talk around self-harm and harming and, and all of that. Parents have a real concern around that and kind of bedroom space. The right to, mm. the right to. So in I, I'm very into kind of you break through that bedroom space as being, no, I'm, you, of course you'd knock and you'd give them privacy, but that there isn't this feeling of the te- the parents can't go into it. But I do say when you go in, you don't look at the mess, you don't comment on the mess, you don't clean up while you're talking. Yeah, so you keep it positive as opposed to negative. Yeah, you just ignore it, even though it's drilling a hole in your brain that it's just rancid. You don't, because otherwise you'll you'll change the whole vibe. It'll be horrible. It'll be a fight. And, you know, you won't get in for another four weeks. So you just ignore the mess, come in with maybe a drink or maybe just a funny story. Not a Hollywood motivational speech because you get a pillow thrown at you. You know what I mean? So a kind of a short little bit of lightness that is gentle and, and kind of a little bit positive, but 
That's all. I remember when I was a kid, I was a very difficult teenager. And when I was a kid, I was actually pacing in my bedroom. It was funny to think of it, but I was actually mid-pace. So I was walking my small bedroom. I was walking up and down. And my mother, who I didn't get on with, uh, she opened the bedroom and she, you'll, you'll, you won't approve. But anyway, it was very nice at the time. She threw a bar of chocolate across the room <laughs> and it sailed by me and it landed on my bed. And she kind of gestured and left. It was like throwing meat to a lion. <laughs> but it was a lovely gesture. She yeah. could see I was in distress. She could see I was all over the place. She knew talking wasn't getting there. And it was kind of like, I can see yeah. something's going it's down. A very, it's a very love, actually, kind of intervention, isn't it? it? It's very kind of soft and cuddly. But it's, yeah. It was very sweet. So I, I am into kind of like, don't underestimate. It's like throwing pebbles in a barrel. You're just doing something soft, something tender, something positive, and you're getting out of there. Because if you try and go in too heavy, they'll roll their eyes, they'll get annoyed with you. So it's it's kind of you're throwing the pebbles in the barrel. It'll fill up. Give it time. Don't don't see it as something. It's almost like if you were going to lose four stone, it would take you a couple of years if you're doing it properly. It's the one percent rule. Yeah, yes. very much. Habits. And yeah, I yeah, actually yeah. go into that in the book. Okay, the one percent rule. Yeah, yeah. That's all you're trying to do with teenagers. If you go in too fast and too heavy. It'll go wrong so fast, it'll be very distressing and you, you'll lose faith. And, you, you know, because it is difficult to be a parent of a teenager. You can feel very demoralized. You can feel like they don't want me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, honestly, it's developmentally appropriate for them to be looking to be like elsewhere. Yeah, 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 you know, they will flick you back on when you're 20 to see, <laughs> when they're 20 yeah. to see you've had an interesting to say. But really, in those teen years, they should be looking for their online influences, their, mm -hmm. their, you know, their friends, their peers, you know, the different influences. Yeah, that's yeah. appropriate. So you've only got snippets. Yeah. So the, apply the 1% rule. Yeah, gently. Small, small wins small, small gains. Yeah. I have two more questions for you. One very much on the parent side of it and one very much on the, the, the teenager side of it. Substance abuse then. Smoking, oh, yeah. drinking, drugs. How, what, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you how do you bring your your teenager through that, or or is there a way? Yeah, th there are ways, and every one of these things that I'm saying has a full acknowledgement that there are many fails, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Good enough is not good enough. You're not going to get it right first, and exploration and risk taking is part of the adolescent experience. And if they weren't exploring and risk taking, you've probably got more serious problems mm -hmm. than. The exploration and the risk. So if you've been told, no, I don't drink and no, I don't do it, you're nearly kind of slightly more concerned. Well, there's an awful lot who aren't, who are yeah. staying at home, who are staying in, who are keeping a kind of a padded cell kind of vibe in their life. And that ha brings its own problems. Yeah. So, you know, we can go back to that in a sec. But for, let's say, vaping is a huge one. Oh, yeah. yeah. R rather than smoking, it's vaping. That so many of them are. And drinking and then substance abuse. One is a kind of, it's kind of like the sex and the porn conversation. You're starting it early. You're saying it. You're kind of so that you're trying to set the ground rules quite early to say there's a lot to say about it. So, for example, you know, talking about vaping, talking about peer pressure before it's ever happening, mm -hmm. that you're saying, I wonder what makes people vape. I wonder what it is and wonder what's what's driving it. Is it just to be part of it, part of the group? Because it is. Let's face it. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And I wonder, does it make you feel better or do you feel like you're part of things and do you feel you have to wear the right top and you have to wear the right, you know, how far will you go? And kind of a, an understanding of different personalities that some people will go very, very far to mm -hmm. belong. And some people will say, nah, I'm, I'm happy enough. 
So imagine if you if you if you're a parent of a child who who really will go very far to Blanc because it really matters to them. A kind of understanding of I get why you're vaping. Mm-hmm. I get what you're doing to belong. And can we find other ways to belong? Because this is the need to belong that is, is charged here. For let's say somebody who's drinking or drug taking, it's a slightly different need. It's probably about either risk taking or freedom, some sort of oblivion. There could be distress. So you, you as a parent, and I go quite into it in the book, you're kind of um, trying to figure out, first of all, what is the need that is okay. being filled yeah. by this behaviour? That's much more interesting than just to say no, don't do it. Just say no doesn't work. Is, so, ex- yeah. is exposure to the risks of it a way to go? I, yeah. you know, going seeing a, a drug abuse clinic or whatever, the exposure of this is what happens if. Yeah, to a point, so long as you're kind of understanding, first of all, are you going in too far, too heavy? Well, mm-hmm. they just think you've lost it. I'm nowhere near <laughs> these people in a drug clinic. You've yeah. gone in too heavy and you've missed it. And I'm only experimenting. So maybe it'd be more interesting to look online and find a few kind of stories of people who experimented and it went wrong. If that's what's going on, you're trying to tailor it to the kid. You're trying to figure out what is going on for my kid that they're doing whatever they're doing. Okay, so it's looking at the need as opposed yeah. to the actual whatever they're doing. The behaviour. The yeah, behaviour is just a manifestation yeah. of yeah. the need. Yeah. Figure out the need and you'll be a hell of a lot further. Okay. And so for, let's say, drink, I go into quite, and drugs, I put it together, kind of say, what would be? And I go quite into that in one chapter. Like, what could it be? Because it could be lots of different, there could be loads of different reasons why somebody could be drinking. They could be, let's say, for example, to, to feel sophisticated and older. And if that's the case, well, that's the need. Well, maybe you could ask a cousin to bring them out somewhere nice and sophisticated and older. There's lots of ways to go at it. What okay. is that? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not necessarily what you think it is. Okay, good. Final question. Yes. Stress and anxiety for teens. Again, you read about it. We, we hear about it all the time. Tips for parents to help their teen manage stress or manage anxiety better around exam times and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I have a whole section in the book about... Um, stress and anxiety and also the kind of the 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 tense life, the kind of the very tension. It might be panic, it might be OCD, it might be anxiety. And I go into a lot of steps around that because often there can be a joylessness to it, mm-hmm. there can be a tension to it. And what what is often needed is you have to kind of zero in again on the kid in front of you. Some people release stress and anxiety through physicality, going for a run, going for a swim. Some people through talking. Some people, you know, with their favorite dinner and a hot blanket and a blanket and a fire. It depends on your mm-hmm. child. So don't presume that talking is going to always make somebody better because people like me do. And it's not necessarily true. So I go into kind of an actual kind of a a six step process of how any psychotherapist would work and just showing it like like the wizard in the, uh, you know, behind the green curtain and the Wizard of Oz, just showing this is what we would do. So imagine if you came to me and you have a week filled of stress and you're thinking, I'm going into cell, cell, this, 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 this. And my job would be to kind of immediately, as soon as you come in, I try and immediately come in and Mm -hmm. empathize with you, try and get into your space and actually genuinely figure out what's going down. And that will involve clarification of, 
is are, are you tense about the exams or are you tense about the fact that everybody else has studied more than you? So you're clarifying and you get a lot of rolled eyes at that point. A lot of kind of, no, that's not it. This is it. Yeah, yeah. And when you actually, you, you, you suffer that because that's being a parent of a teenager. When you actually nail it, when you've asked a question, they go, yeah, that's it. You've often, you will see a kind of a physicality. Their shoulders will drop or yeah. they'll breathe. They'll kind of go, yeah. And now you know you've, you've, you've kind of got somewhere. So you move on then into kind of connecting and kind of what you do then. There's kind of two things that you can offer after you've connected and kind of clarified and you know what's going on. I go into it in much more detail in the book. But then you move into solidarity of I can see this is really hard and I'm willing to work with you shoulder to shoulder and I won't figure this out today and you won't figure it out today. This could take us ages, but I am going to work with you to figure it out. And we're going to look for different steps because what might reduce your anxiety might reduce mine. So I might make lots of mistakes, but we're going to find lots of different solutions. And one of them are bound to because thousands and millions of people have suffered before you. We'll find it, but it won't be quick. And we're going to find some sort of strategies and we're not going to try and eliminate it. We're trying to reduce the impact, reduce the effect, reduce the hangover of it, reduce the buildup, reduce the intensity, the length of time, the frequency and that'll be enough. So it's kind of a very realistic mm-hmm. kind of let's bring it down. Let's be realistic. And then lastly, after all of that, and yes, you will get a lot of no, that's not true. But you just suffer it, like take your time over it and then a bit of depth, because an awful lot of people who are tense and anxious are actually looking for a meaning for life. They're looking for a bit of what is it about? There's a feeling of, oh, this is all pointless. It's often underneath a lot of anxiety. It's what's it all about? I Back in the day, an awful lot of relig- religious people would have been anxious and they would have clung on to religion as mm-hmm. a settler. We're living in a post-religious age and an awful lot of people who are very anxious, they suffer the lack of religion. They, they really would have been better off with For something religion. to cling on to. Yeah, something, a framework. Yeah, yeah. So what you need to do is therefore give them some depth, give them some framework, look up, and this sounds a bit heavy, but it's more doable than you think. Look up philosophers, look up kind of ways of seeing, yeah, we don't know where we've come from. We don't know where we're going. All we can do is knock a bit of fun of it out of life. See if you can knock a bit of fun out of light today. Try and build. Okay, so go, go with them as yeah. opposed to going against them. Yeah, go with them on this adventure of... A framework that okay. you can kind of say, I can live like that. And that will give them the depth, I think. Oh, take a breath. Whoa. Oh, God. I tell you, we're going to have to bring you back in and chat. This is fa- <laughs> not just teenagers, but a general kind oh, of psychotherapy you. stuff. Because you're, really you, you strike me as a fascinating individual. Uh, the book is What Your Teen Is Trying To Tell You. Uh, Sela Omali, thank you so much for coming in today. It is available in bookstores nationwide, all around the country and online as well, I'm sure. And if people, want, do, do you do online content as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm on. I'm easily found online. Easily found online. Yeah. Okay, Sela Omali, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Folks, that is it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. You know where we are at Carl Henry PT on Instagram, realhealthindependence.ie. And we'll see you next week for more real health. It's long ago. Bye.